Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. So gentlemen, it is a new year, um, and a new year brings new challenges, brings new goals. We spoke about this kind of stuff last year, at the beginning of the year, and you spoke about a couple of things that you wanted to work on in 2018. One of them was profit-first accounting, which was the idea, if you can correct me if I'm wrong, that actually, no, I'm, I'm not going to be able to explain this correctly. So <laughs> You're wrong, Mike. I, I thought about it and was like, nah, I'm going to get at least a big chunk of this wrong. So you should just explain to me one, again, a quick refresher for people as to what Profit First Accounting meant for, for Studio Neat uh, and if you succeeded in it. Yeah, well, there was kind of two... Uh... We were interested in kind of making two changes that were, you know, connected to this profit-first accounting. One was um, we wanted just, A, we just wanted a way to, when we got Kickstarter funds, um, to be able to, like, separate them uh, just so that we, you know, we know kind of, like, what our budget is for, like, when we're doing a Kickstarter project and we're spending that money and we can keep it separate and we don't, we never have to think, like, oh, you know, kind of go back and forth on that. So that was really simple. We could have just opened like a separate bank account and that would have accomplished that goal. Um, But at the same time, we were kind of interested in this profit first accounting thing and which in which you open like lots of bank accounts um, to do that. And so we kind of also did that. So in terms of the Kickstarter thing, I think that's been like really good. We should have done that a long time ago. It just makes things clear. And we're not always like wondering, oh, you know, let's like make sure and reserve this much money, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, that's like a really simple, dumb thing, but uh, totally a good thing to do. Um, and then the profits first accounting, basically the idea is um, whenever you have to set up all these different bank accounts. So to enable you to basically, whenever revenue comes in, the first thing that happens is you take a percentage of it and put it in like a profit account. And that's like the name profit first. And basically the idea is like, A lot of times with small companies or startups, you know, you don't ever think about profit exactly uh, or you don't often take it for yourself or for employees or whatever. And so it just kind of you just kind of leave it to the end of the year and then you're like, okay, well, you know, you don't even know how much profit you had. It's just kind of tricky. And so this idea is that you actually do profit first. You like set a percentage that you want to do. You take it out first and then... um, and then what that does is you know how much money you kind of have left over and it kind of it gives you a clearer picture into train that sort of thing. Um I've enjoyed doing it. It hasn't been a, a like a huge change for us, but the thing that's been really interesting is it has um especially when we separate out like Kickstarter income into different bank accounts and we have all these different bank accounts. It makes it really clear kind of what our, um, not exactly runway, but like what our month-to-month expenses and revenue coming in looks like, and if our revenue coming in covers that and payroll and everything. And so to me, it's mm-hmm. just become a little bit clearer, um, and it's not too hard to do. And so it's definitely something we'll continue to do. I, I think we might consider simplifying. Right now, I think we have like five or six bank accounts. We might simplify 
a couple, but um, in general, it's good. It's not like life. I wouldn't say it's like life changing in any way. Um, it's just kind of we have a little bit more clarity um, into things instead of like a pile of cash that sits there and we like slowly whittle away at it. It's like nicer to kind of have things segregated. So, you know, I mean, it's not a big deal, but definitely, uh, definitely worth going. I think we'll. The, the whole goal also with like the profit versus accounting or one of the goals is to slowly increase that profit percentage that you take every month. Um, and so I think we will bump it up next year. We'll see. See what happens. Because <laughs> I guess part of the thinking behind this is like a lot of small companies, I guess the profit is just what's left as opposed to actually building your business around trying to make money. Yeah, and that's like traditional accounting. Yeah, it's kind of like a mental trick too, where if you, if you have a small business, you know, you see money in your account, you kind of you consider that your expense, you know, what you can use for operating expenses, you know, to be, you know, to invest back into the company. To, but where if you, if you organize it in such a way to where you're pulling out the profit first, then you have this new number of how to. Uh, operate your company you kind of learn how to run your business on that leftover money instead of the entirety of what's in your account and so it is kind of just like a weird trick uh but totally. it it is true that uh when you're kind of running things you know lean and stuff you you just like assume you can use all the money that's you kind of forget about profit as silly as that sounds um so i think it's good to just kind of reverse it mm-hmm. and just pull it out as the money's coming in so you're gonna keep doing it for sure. But it hasn't been like life changing, but it's a nice thing to do. No, I mean, it's, I think you could use it to tighten the screws a little bit more. Like if we went really aggressive with that profit percentage next, like this year, it, it would maybe force us to do like some other things. Um, I mean, we're like have very low overhead, so there's not a lot of juice to squeeze out of that lemon. But um, so, and you know, it was really for us, it was experiment and it was like, okay, this does bring some clarity. It, it didn't change a lot of behavior, but I don't. We're so we have so little overhead that I don't I don't know how much we really exactly need to do that. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think we'll up it for sure. See what happens. Was there anything else that you guys focused on? Well, so I mean, the interesting thing. So um, the other thing we were going to talk about was, or what we talked about a year ago was these this kind of schedule cycle of like, you know, catch up weeks oh, and yeah. vacation yeah. weeks and all that stuff. Now that definitely. Change. I mean, that changed in a big way, uh, or like didn't work, or it kind of worked. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the idea, at least, was um, we had, you know, we had talked to some people who had kind of implemented this pretty structured schedule for their, you know, work life, uh, where you know they had, you know, every eight weeks or so, they would have a vacation week. Um, where, you know, you basically stop what you're doing and just go on, like force yourself to go on vacation basically. Cause it's like a, a thing we don't often do. And then we also kind of came up with this idea of like this catch up week idea where, um, we would kind of make ourselves stop the ongoing big projects and like, wor- like work on like either maintenance things or tasks that we ignore. And so it's like a way to kind of do those little tasks that are really easy to ignore when we're kind of working on product development. And I don't know, Dan, how long did we, we kind of in earnest did it for a little bit. I, don't, I can't remember yeah, how long. Yeah, I feel like we did it 
kind of the first half of the year and then i think as mark one stuff started to escalate it was just like that was our sole focus uh, it's like oh you mean you mean the thing that the whole system was designed to make us take vacation when we're in the crunch time we just ignored it i will say though i think i learned like our super valuable thought technology from that um which i will continue to be doing and and i think it's maybe like a uh, like my like a personal like failing that I have basically, but this idea of the quote catch up week is actually was actually like felt really awesome to me. Um, and because I kind of have a problem where if like we're we're you know working on you know like say product development for like Mark One or something, I will focus on that to the detriment of other things like like email or cleaning up my office or just, like just things that are like 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 just stuff that is like can easily be pushed aside. I am like pretty bad at just ignoring that stuff. And so this idea of a catch up week is like super refreshing. Like when the, the, when I would do them, it would feel so good to just turn off that and just make myself do these kind of like meta tasks. Basically. I would imagine though that your mentality could quite easily pass over, right? Like if these are tasks that you push to the side, you could also just push the catch up week to the side. Yeah, exactly. So there's so that is a problem. And so yeah. that's why the idea of scheduling it was like good because then you don't. But I think what I what I actually surprisingly got comfortable doing is just declaring a catch up week. Basically like when mm-hmm. things get like we're too overwhelming, uh not overwhelming, but just like when the mess in my office is like too much or something, it's like, okay, it's time. Like it's time to do a catch up week. And just, I think to have like a, that as like a shared concept between Dan and I, and for me just personally to have that as like an idea is really useful uh, that I will continue to do. I don't think they will be scheduled because for me, it's really about like when kind of a threshold is reached or something. Um, But yeah, but the, the, the downside is we didn't, I mean, the other the the other idea of them was, you know, there's supposed to be times when we do like, you know, working on like, like marketing tasks or like email things or like technology tasks or things that make the business work better. And we didn't. I don't think we ended up working on as much of that stuff as we wanted to. So we don't really still have a very good way for making that mm-hmm. stuff happen. But I mean, Dan, did you? What do you think of the catch up and vacation week stuff? Yeah, I agree with you in that they both, they seemed useful and good, but the scheduling was the tricky part, uh, and that it is kind of like a catch-22, because if you don't schedule it, then it's easy to just, like, not do it or push it aside, um, so that is something that needs to be resolved. I think also, I mean, the the vacation stuff was, like, a little bit weird, too, because if you don't have something planned, like, if you don't have, like, a trip planned then you know like a scheduled vacation week would come up and i'd just be like well i don't want to just like not work for a week and just like play video games or whatever like i'd rather just like push this to a time when i can like go on a trip with my family or something so it felt kind of a little bit weird in that way even though that was kind of the intention of the vacation week is like an a kind of an unplanned just like relaxation week or whatever but so i think that if we want to continue doing that, that needs to be resolved somehow. And um, I wonder if like a better way to approach it is just instead of we had them just kind of like evenly spaced out throughout the entire year, like every six or eight weeks or something. I forget exactly how we had it, but 
it might make more sense the kind of cyclical nature of our business and how basically these kind of late spring and summertime is like pretty slow and uh the 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 fall and winter and specifically kind of the holiday season is super busy so kind of like planning for that so like maybe there's like a month long time in the middle of the summer where we're like doing kind of like a design charrette or like brainstorming like marketing ideas for the upcoming uh, holiday and and also folding in like vacation mm-hmm. time like extend like maybe we have like a three week sabbatical or something like but kind of understand that our years are kind of weird and not super even throughout so kind of working within that instead of just like spreading them out throughout the yeah. entire year it's it is true we do have two big downtimes which is interesting like it's like august it feels like july august and um like january february or all feel like like things slow like way down um and it's actually funny because revenue it's like revenue is a predictor of that which is like a weird thing I think there's work to do. I think the problem, though, Mike, in general, is that for me, it doesn't feel like 2019 or a new year or a new start or anything because we're still we're still like fully in the thick of like delivering pins yeah, and, which, and docs and stuff. Which is stuff that you guess I would hope would be gone by now, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. so it's like it doesn't feel at all like I am waiting with bated breath for the day where I can be like, okay. We're done with this push. Like, let me clean up everything in my life and like get reset. Um, so, I, I think that's maybe why Dan and I don't really have any 2019 goals. I mean, I have one which we can talk about, but um, because I don't know, for me, it just doesn't feel like a new start yet. Like, we're still kind of <laughs> everyone has already made the lap, and we're like running behind me, like, oh, but guys, like, tw- <laughs> we still have a lot of stuff to do for 2018. <laughs> We didn't finish. Well, I guess your year will begin when the Mark mm-hmm. One is done, right? Which is probably soon. Yeah, yeah. We're we should be. You know, it should be. I mean, it should be a couple of weeks out. You know, it's not. It's not too long. The right. light is definitely quite big at the end of the tunnel, but it's still not here. You know, it's not here. So it feels um, a little bit just like oh, that we can't. We can't let ourselves like you know think about the next thing exactly yet. So. You know, but I will say that, and and if we want to talk about 2019, Mike, I know you had something to talk about, but since mm-hmm. we're kind of right here, um, I think I, and I haven't, I haven't talked to Dan about this, but I think I have, um, I think we, I learned a couple like huge lessons from this whole like fall and like product delivery and launch cycle that we just went through and are still dealing with. Okay. Um, and maybe this is like too big of a discussion for right now, exactly. But I, I basically think that at Studio Neat, we should uh, no longer have uh, deadlines, <laughs> basically. Okay. Uh, that seems like a nice way to live. Well, no, it's not that exactly. So I, I guess seasonal deadlines is maybe more specifically what I mean. So um, I feel like we. We, it was been so stressful um this like with the mark one and with like the other products like we launched i mean it's all because we kind of like self-imposed these holiday like christmas deadlines and i think we always like orient our year around those dates in some ways and um that's kind of like not how we work on like product development at all like we don't usually have deadlines like the deadlines are not 
time-based, they're like quality-based. And so I think what we did, which was a couple, like some big mistakes was we, um, we like set the holidays or Christmas basically as like, as, as a deadline. And we were so close that we thought that was realistic. Um, but we kind of made some leaps, uh, and took some risks on where the product was. Um, where if, is if like those holiday deadlines, like weren't there, we probably would have took another month, um, with the Mark one before we really, and just like did some double checking and stuff with production, or we would have like stopped and like, instead of scrambling to fix problems, we would have like fixed them properly basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and this doesn't like affect the, like the product in the end, it just affected us like in terms of stress level and like scrambling. And so we always find ourselves in this position, like in around the holidays where we're like scrambling to get some product out or some product done. And basically we don't end up like sacrificing our quality standards or we haven't had to yet, but it just makes us have a bunch of stress. And I don't actually know if in the long run, hitting the holidays for launches and stuff matters that much for us um, in particular. And so I think basically like the attitude I want to take going into the next year is, um, and I think Dan will be completely on board with this, but basically not thinking about product development as having um, specific like deadlines we need to meet um, and like letting the product kind of slowly develop and like finish as long as it needs to take. But at the same time, um, working on more products or projects like at once. And so basically like letting ourselves have a longer time to finish that last 1%. Whereas usually what we do is like, you know, we'll get to like, we'll get through major design like development and then we'll like be where we're like kind of in production or really ready to go. And we kind of sprint towards the end instead of really slowing down and being like, okay, it's fine if this production, like we're always racing. Like when we're in production, we're always like racing and pressing on the manufacturers and like having them hurry and trying to rush. And to me, it seems like it would be so much better if that's when we can be slowest. Uh, when we can like really be like, okay, no, let's like actually, it's okay if it takes twice as long because we're just going to get it right. It would be such a relief to um, have that ability. And the the lucky thing about our business is we completely control that. So I think the only way we're actually going to get there is if we like basically forget the holidays as a deadline period. Um, and then also the other piece of that is for Kickstarters, like way, like set the expectation early on and like way set a longer timeline for uh, delivering products. Um, and I think we can do a good job of like, communicating that to backers and like taking them on a journey during all of that but we just need to like reset our expectations for how long that last sprint of production like make it no longer a sprint like that's the time when we need to be like oh no it's okay if we have to redo it or it's okay if we need to be slower because we need to do it right and when usually we have that attitude during like prototype and development like because we can really iterate but i think we like don't let ourselves have that time for iteration during like production and I think I think that's something that uh, we need to do. Do do you agree, Dan? Because we haven't yeah. talked about this at all. <laughs> yeah, I agree completely. I mean, it's tricky because uh, it also our approach to that varies based on the product. So, like, 
So the two recent ones that we've been battling with over the holidays were the Mark One and these new Chi docs, uh, the new material docs. And, you know, one of those is a Kickstarter project and one of them is not. And so they have there's different approaches to those, whereas the Kickstarter project is completely public uh, from the beginning. So we do set a deadline. And like you said, in the future, we should just, we've been, I feel like we've been pretty conservative with those deadlines, but I think we need to be even more, more conservative yeah. and, and push it like several more months than even we think is like what will be. Um, and so I feel for the Mark one, I didn't really feel like we were working towards the holidays. I felt like we were working towards that November. Like we wanted to deliver on the November deadline yeah. that we had initially stated. Um, but so that certainly felt like a rush, but to me, the docs felt much worse because that was totally self-imposed. Like we were, we were playing with fire and that we launched it before we had inventory, which is something we have done before in the past and has worked out. It's always stressful. So we should know that it, it, we, sh you know, we should have learned our lesson. That's always stressful, but we've been able to do that in the past because we are close enough to production to where it's like, okay, this is going to be fine. We can like launch this and say, it'll start shipping in two to three weeks and that'll be fine. Um, but with these docs, uh, there were just several hiccups uh, and, you know, we have one guy that's making these uh, here in Texas. And so, you know, he's a bottleneck. Like if something goes or like that, like we mentioned on last podcast, like it was raining. And so he, it was too humid to do these things and we don't have any redundancy there. So if something goes wrong, there's kind of nothing we can do. Um, and so that was totally our own fault. And we had to, do the thing that I don't think we've ever done before where we had to like send out an email that was like, we said these docs were going to be ready and sadly they aren't. Uh, so here's kind of like the status update of them. Um, and so that was like totally a self-inflicted wound. Like it was us, you know, forecasting a timeline that because of unforeseen circumstances, we, uh, we weren't able to meet. So my takeaway, like on top of what Tom was saying about, uh, you know, be, be allowing ourselves to slow down and kind of ignoring the holidays as a deadline. I also like, don't ever want to release Kickstarter, notwithstanding, I don't ever want to release a product like before inventory is in the warehouses or at least yeah. like on the way to the warehouses. The next day. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, so it's frustrating to, especially like from a customer service perspective, like we get yeah. so many emails that are just like, they're not, no one is really rude, but uh, it's just like, do you know when my doc is going to arrive? And like, it takes time to answer those emails. Uh, and so it'd be so much better if we just had like a cleaner. You end up with egg on your face. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because yeah. it when when you put up a product for sale, unless you explicitly say otherwise, your customers are expecting it's going to ship within a couple of days, you know? Yeah, we do. I mean, we usually whenever we know there's going to be delay, we always are like clear about it. But it's it's still sometimes people don't see that or but still, you know, we're not always accurate with those delays and stuff. So, yeah, we just don't need to do that anymore. And, and the funny thing is that stuff only really happens around the holidays like that's the only time when we are we, we believe that that's like some important deadline or something and i a i'm not even know if it is uh, like it will come around next year you know mm -hmm. um but yeah we just like can't do it anymore so 
that, I don't know, it was, it was a big lesson. I think it was a, definitely a really good lesson to learn. And uh, it'll be interesting going forward, kind of what that feels like, you know, in, like in a year from now. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we really learned that lesson. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to focus on for 2019 specifically? Or is that kind of feeling about where you are? That, that feels about where we are. I mean, we have like tons of like pr- pr- things we want to yeah, make. And that's, do. That's, yeah, um, that's always the thing, right? For sure. Yeah, but from a from a structural point of view, I, I mean, I don't have anything else. Dan, do you? Is there anything else that you? No, I think uh, I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, I, I just uh, I want to reiterate. Also, I think. I have like a lot of ideas for stuff to do during catch up weeks. Like I feel like <laughs> for the past few months when we've been heads down on the Mark one and the doc stuff, there's like lots of little improvements we can make. Uh, that would be great to like set aside, set aside time to do that. So I think along with what you said about kind of having more products going concurrently, but being slower about, that process uh i think also folding in you know continue to fold in those those catch-up weeks uh i think that's important and something we should stick to so i think that'll be a good thing to focus on this year what about you mike you got a business you got a year ahead of you yeah well one i think the thing that's probably most interesting uh that i'm working on this year to talk about on this show is the fact that uh, I'm starting like a side company. Um, so I have a show called Cortex, um, which I produce with CGP Grey. And we've been like over the last, maybe over the last six months or so, we've been dabbling in doing some different stuff focused around merchandise. And for podcasts, this is typically clothing, right? T-shirts primarily, pins, stuff like that, sometimes hoodies. And was playing around with some different types of designs like i was i was wondering like can you make podcast focused merchandise which is a little bit more wearable on a daily basis which isn't just like big logo or a joke you know like Mm -hmm. here's like a here's like a funny thing and i have lots of those t-shirts and love them but you maybe can't wear that t-shirt to like your family function so we made a t-shirt called the subtlety which had a uh, a smaller logo which was embroidered um, instead of being like as our regular t-shirt is like a big screen printed thing um, and so that was the test case for like is there a market for a you know frankly more expensive product which is a little bit more uh, fashion focused like more towards that end than the typical type of stuff that we make um, it had a great response it sold pretty well, and then, as is will always happen with stuff like this, after it, after people started to receive it and share pictures of it, we had a lot of people that wanted it again. You know, like that's the kind of the mm-hmm. way these things tend to go. Um, but it was a, it was kind of a test case for us of like, can we do maybe small batch stuff, maybe more focused stuff, and effectively, me and Gray decided that we wanted to play around in this area a bit, and we're launching a company called Cortex Brand which is going to be focused on making physical products for initially for the type of people that we are and the type of people that we believe our listeners are, you know, so kind of like an offshoot of the Studio Neat audience effectively, right? Like the Mm -hmm. same kinds of people 
um, but with some some overlaps, but some kind of more specific type things, which is mm-hmm. kind of like the creative professional aspect of it, as well as just yeah. like the technology design nerd, you know? Um, so like, I feel like there's like the kind of the Venn diagrams match up. So yeah, <laughs> we are currently very early on and, and way earlier on in a process than me and Gray would usually be before we'd share the product, a project with the world. But like, that's kind of the point we, we want to talk about this and how it evolves on the show. And mm-hmm. right now, one thing that I have done is opened up an email address to the world and said, hey, if you think you have an, an idea which could be interesting, or if you think that you have something that could work with us, right? So like maybe you make something and think it could be adapted, let us know. And if anybody listening to this is also interested, that email address is business at cortexbrand.com. So you can just send an email to that. And I've gotten lots and lots and lots and lots of emails so far. Um, there's been a like a handful of stuff that we're exploring. I mean, a, a lot of them, as I hoped, really, it's just people saying like, hey, I would like this type of thing. And they're like, you know, I'm not expecting to work with you on this because I have absolutely no information or no idea how to do it. But this is the type of yeah. thing that I would like. And that is as useful, if sometimes, if not more so, than somebody being like, I have this complete idea for you. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. if I see something a bunch of times, then I'm like, okay, maybe this is something we yeah. should explore. And what's even better is we've got a bunch of these types of emails where it's stuff we're already working on, right? And people are yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I would like this. And it's like, oh, brilliant, because give me six <laughs> months and I can give you it. Um, so, you know, we are being very, like, we're being very relaxed with it right now Mm -hmm. because we we're working on a couple of products that are in prototyping stage and that we're hoping to have some of that stuff out later on in the year and my expectation is once we start doing some of this stuff and if it does sell well things will get more serious but right now we're kind of like having fun and playing around you know right like it's 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 very experimental for me And I like kind of dipping into this email account and seeing what people are saying and getting some ideas and like people are sending me samples of products that they think could be adapted. And like, it's like a fun little thing for me. Um, But eventually, like I do want to turn it into a bigger part of my business, but it relies on the products that we think would be core to this business actually working out. Um, and we have, as I say, like we're working on that stuff right now. And if we launch it to the world and it does really well, then we can put the pressure on a bit more because yeah. I have, lo- you know, we I have a couple of areas that I'm working on specifically. And if they work out, I have a lot of products in my mind that are offshoots of that, right? That like, it, you know, like how you guys have areas, right? Like you've had like yeah. Apple stuff and camera stuff and cocktail stuff and now stationary, where it's like if we can sell products in like a specific category, well, then I have a ton of other things, but I need to know because all we've so, done so far is sell clothing, right? That's all we've done. It's clothing yeah. and enamel pins. So if we launch like product X and it doesn't sell, well, then maybe we can't operate in that environment. So... It really is that we've um, it's all very exploratory 
But I have yeah. no doubt it's, it's like talking to you guys on such a frequent basis about this stuff is one of the reasons that I could put all of these ideas in my brain. Cause, well, welcome to the dark yeah, side. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> obviously I am interested in it anyway. And with Cortex, I think we found uh, a, a selection of like-minded people who would be willing to kind of go on this kind of journey with us, I think. Yeah, well, to me, the really interesting thing is you're um you have an audience that's mm-hmm. not a consumer audience like you know consumer product audience right you have like a audience and so then it is like really interesting because you're you're kind of like bringing them things and being like you guys like this yeah and it's I'm like, sure there's like what lots about of to do. this one oh you don't like that one okay like and that's what it's been like even with the the merchandise that we do i mean that's what it's all like with with kind of the merchandise for all of the shows that I do where like you're like oh I have this great idea for a really cool t-shirt do you want it turns out not many people wanted it and it's yeah. like oh I have this idea do you like it oh hundreds of people wanted it right and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and and kind of like and I feel like I'm getting a better sense now for podcast merch what sells well and yeah. so like that's what I'm hoping I can get to with different types of products yeah I mean, it's it's interesting because I mean, it's like the opposite of you know most brands and like us in particular. Like you know, we're we're grew in such like an organic like people. We had a product and then people came to us, and so we have this you know audience of people who it's like pretty organic. You know, like typically mm-hmm. what we like, they'll like too, kind of just because that's like you know what brought them here basically. But yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I mean, I could see, like, you know, if you release, like, a product that does really well, especially if it's, like, related to, like, work or system or something, and you, and it becomes really popular, like, really popular, I could see the podcast, like, shifting. It's, like, interesting. It would be interesting to see how the products might, um, like, affect the podcast in terms of, like, you know, the to- like the like, you know, what you talk about on the podcast and stuff like that. Well, one, one kind of, like, you know, long-term, like pipe dream type goal for me is that we end up with a product that's bigger becomes bigger than the show right yeah so like the show continues and it does what it does but then we also have this other thing and i think of something like uh bullet journal right where like bullet journal becomes was a system it was just a website and it was a system but then it became a business and then it became a thing that's way bigger than the creator, Ryder Carroll. And yep. it's, and it's in, it, you know, I've had, a, I've had a relationship with Ryder for a few years. Like he's been on a, on, on the pen addict a few times with us and stuff. And we've kind of tracked his career as it's gone through. And it's been super fascinating to watch that. And I think like that could be, I mean, again, it's like, wouldn't it be wonderful if you had something that was wildly successful? But like, mm-hmm. you know, my point is like, it, it would be really cool to see, if we end up being able to come up with something which breaks outside a little bit and and what that would be like you know so yeah. Yeah. Th- there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that we can do there's a lot of stuff we'd like to do there's a lot of stuff that probably won't work out but i'm i'm pretty excited to have a new a new thing like i feel like i've been looking for a while for a a project which was really a side project again and i tried mm-hmm. to fill that hole by doing more podcasts or making <laughs> youtube videos or whatever and i realized last year that all of those things you know whether it's a podcast or even something like youtube videos are too similar 
to what I do every day. Um, And I have like transferable skills and stuff where this is like, I have no idea what I'm doing and I have a bunch of stuff I need to learn if I want to make this a real thing. And, And that is more exciting to me now because it's like, here's a real side project. And also, it kind of doesn't matter whether it succeeds or fails. Like, I would love it to succeed, but if it doesn't, it affects nothing, right? Like, none of my business is affected by that. And even even if it does fail, that makes for a really interesting story to tell on the show. So, like, it's kind of a win-win for us, ultimately. Yeah, I'll be really curious to see, like, how the interplay between... Because you've tied this brand so Mm -hmm. closely to the podcast, like, you know... uh, how that like affects things, you know, back and forth. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. We're going to talk a lot more about making stuff, I would assume, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it ends up going. <laughs> It'll be really interesting. The first show, and you talk about some production problem that's happened. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I think I think that we would keep a lot of them minutiae away, right? Like, I, what we had probably, yeah. I mean, if we did want to ever talk about that, like. We have like a YouTube channel, right? Which would, yeah. that would be a great place to do that type of stuff instead of it being in the show, you know? But Brave New World. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think I'm, I'm, I get the sense that this is going to be happening more and more and more where people who are used to, you know, making like media or things that like are non physical businesses and goods and making those kind of decisions are just going to switch to doing physical stuff too, which is really interesting. Yeah, one of the reasons that we decided to start doing this is because of what's happening in the YouTube community, where merchandising is becoming a very, very big part of the lives of these creators. And a lot of people are turning to companies to do it for them. And yeah. we, we have a relationship with Cotton Bureau and have had for, for a while with Cortex. We have a store for them. And when we eventually have products to sell, they're going to work. We're going to work with them on fulfillment and stuff like that because don't want to do that. Like, you know, yeah. I, I have known you guys for long enough to know I'm not interested in, in doing that. And they've been really great for us to work with so far. They're also really useful when it comes to like helping us design stuff. You know, they're a great resource for mm-hmm. us. Um, but I'm I'm I want to be more involved in the product creation than a lot of the kind of typical YouTube stars tend to be. Some design their own mm-hmm. stuff or whatever, but like I really want to get in the weeds with it, you know, because mm-hmm. that is exciting to me. I was going to ask uh, what your plan was, and you kind of answered it just now. So like, yeah, companies like Cotton Bureau are super great for like clothing and stuff because not only are they doing all of the order taking and fulfillment but they're actually like making the product so it's kind of like a a start to finish and they'll even design it for you if you want as well right like they can do the whole thing (laughs) yeah so but there you have an arrangement with them where they would just become basically an order fulfillment place for other and and a storefront for just like other random products that are non-clothing Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. They have a whole thing called uh, Cotton Bureau Plus, which mm. is a is a new thing for them. And mm-hmm. and we were a partner in that. And, and so, yeah, we're going to continue working on merch ideas with them, right? Like traditional mm-hmm. merchandising stuff. But also, like, if we have things that we want to do, they are a partner for us to kind of fulfill that as well right Mm -hmm. where you know like so like for example mkbhd 
um, he sold custom branded AirPods, which were made by Colorware, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my expectation is he worked with Colorware and had those made, and then Cotton Bureau shipped them for him because that's what we've done. Mm-hmm. So we have like challenge coins, um, enamel pins, and stuff like that. Cotton Bureau aren't making those; like they work with. I mean, for, in those instances, they are working with third party companies to have those made, but we're also I, I'm you know we also can if we want to go outside and make something then they will also help us with the fulfillment of it but they're also there and have been and with some other stuff that we're working on they can also be the company that can find other companies right so like obviously like I'm not going to be putting something together with my own hands because that's not where my skill is like we're always going to find a production partner right to make something and then maybe have Cotton Bureau help us with the fulfillment. But like Cotton Bureau can also help find those production partners, but it just depends on what we're making because some stuff that we're working on, I want to be more involved in it um, for a couple of reasons, you know. Uh, but I don't want to get into what those are right now because it might start giving some stuff away when we're way too early in the process for me to even want to be teasing it, you know. Yeah, it will be really interesting to watch, Mike, the inevitable trans journey you go on from uh what you're doing now which is like white labels type stuff mm-hmm. into full-on custom stuff and mm-hmm. the like differences the like vast gulf in between those two things uh so like it's something that i'm interested in seeing and like o- over time is right so like we're working with companies right now and they're kind of working in the middle right where like i have like an idea but i don't know what it takes to make it and then yeah. we're working with those companies to help us see what that would be like. But like, I also imagine a future where, like, if this takes off, we're like, well, what if then I'm just talking with the factory? Yeah. Right. Which I expect yeah. would be over time something that, as I learn how this works, would be more of a possibility. But also, yeah. right now, the amount of time that that takes seems like too much considering we have no idea how this is going to ultimately shake out for us right yeah 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 yeah. no i think that's wise i think it's if 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 you can find like collaborations that fit and and you can it's like great i mean it's like awesome it's like the best of both worlds yes. it's like much better than like white label enamel pins or whatever but it's not yeah you don't have to fully interface with like this whole craziness uh so yeah i mean that's uh that's cool that's exciting i mean it'll obviously be cool for this show lots of fodder <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's something I, I, I'm excited about, um, the future of all this stuff because I think, like I said, you know, with the YouTube, I mean, this is just like such a trend and the cool thing is it's also going to really benefit us (laughs) because to me, the dream is, um, you know, it will become easier and easier to do just fully custom or almost all fully custom stuff, you know, with, you know, finding manufacturers and managing those relationships and managing all, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I, I, I hope, um, I hope it's an easy ride. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It, I'm sure there'll be no issues. It's, I've heard that this stuff just goes so simply. You have a leg up because I think you know. You know, you have at least some. After talking with us for so long, you have an. You know, like what the, you know. I, I'm. I think I'm going into this less blind than typically people would be in my yeah. position. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, because you know, I think for the first five years for us, it was like continually getting knocked on our butts. 
and being like, oh, wait, that can happen? <laughs> and now you know, like, you're like ready. You're like bracing yourself. It's like, okay, is someone going to come knock me on my butt? So I don't know. I think, uh, Mike, I strongly, strongly advise against doing a Cortex branded laser cat toy. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that, Mike. And, uh, and. <laughs> How would you feel if we were successful in that? Would that be it for our friendship? Like, oh, well, it depends. It was, it was a branding thing this it whole was time. Just like they put, we put a logo on it. That's all. I wouldn't feel weird at all if you made a better laser cat toy. If you made exactly the same laser cat toy. If, I, if like, I was able to make a better laser cat toy, I would feel pretty weird. I don't think so. No, I just think it would be a really weird situation in which I would end up in that with that ability, considering I don't even own a cat and I'm actually allergic to them. Mike, you never know. Don't limit yourself starting out, okay? You don't start out by limiting yourself, Mike. You learn nothing? Thoroughly considered as a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. Find out more about this episode by going to relay.fm slash TC slash 47.